0: Hello, parents out there, Naked Parent Nation. This is the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff. I'm your host. I'm a single father with five kids within six years of age and two with special needs. So I get it. Your time is valuable and it's valuable to me as well. I bring guests on the show that add a lot to the lives of not only myself, but other parents raising special needs children. And today I'm super excited for you to meet Cricket Barrientos who has an amazing story that I'm excited to learn more about. She's been a mother of 19 years of an autistic child. She's a retired restaurant of 30 years and a wife of a police officer of 14 years. And we're going to get to hear about her personal experience and professional experience and how that has birthed a foundation that sounds very, very exciting called Sounds of Autism, which was established in 2011. And there's so much more for you to to get to know, but welcome to the show, Cricket. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're excited to share what we're doing with your audience.
0: That's awesome. Get
1: get to hear a little more about you, too.
0: (laughs) uh, um, Did I get that right, that you're a mother of 19 years of an autistic child?
1: Yeah. And I think it's cute how you say child, because I do too, but my child's six foot, you know, 220 pounds. You could see him in the background. He's eating his cereal. Yeah. Landon. But yes, for 19, almost 20 years, I can't believe he's going to be 20 years old. It's unbelievable.
0: When did you know that your journey was going to be on uh, maybe a different track than you originally had anticipated?
1: You know, for me, I grew up with three girls and we always heard the stories when you get pregnant, they'll say, Oh, boys are just delayed, you know. So I'm thinking, well, he's just delayed. He's a boy, right? And and I just went with that for a while. But when I finally put him and my daughter into daycare, I became a single mom overnight, so I had to put him in daycare. It wasn't, it wasn't an option. And um I realized that that these teachers were telling me something and I finally um, had one of them pull me to the side and she was like, I don't want you to be sad. And she's like saying all this stuff. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, my kids did something really bad. And then she says, you know, I think your son may have a developmental delay and she didn't use the word autism. Cause back then they didn't really say autism. They just said a developmental delay or a food disorder. Cause he was, you know, spitting out food. And she's like, and I think we need to get him into school and get him some help and maybe have him go see a doctor. I'd like to have him assessed. And I was like, you know, for me, I knew something was different. So I was like, all right, you know, to be honest, it's relieving that you say that because I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm just a bad mom or maybe I'm not able to raise boys because I raised girls, you know, or I was around girls. And so maybe, you know, I just, I kept making all these excuses as to why and realizing later, you know, that this is the starting stages of our journey.
0: And how old was he at that point?
1: Uh, Landon was about two and a half he was over uh, two, but um, I saw the signs looking back, you know, and knowing what they are now. uh, I saw the signs at about 18 months.
0: What was next? Did you, you went to the doctor? I mean, was, tell us a little bit about the process of going from that conversation to further along.
1: I think for us, you know, we, first we went to this assessment for the school district, because if you get them assessed, Then, you know, the school will offer you at three years old, they'll offer you the ability to get him services right away. You know, that's what your taxes pay for this stuff. Right. So but he had to have an assessment. Well, when you go into an assessment and you're sitting with your ex, whatever, and you don't agree already on everything in life right now. And it wasn't that bad, but it was pretty bad. And then, you know, they're asking you a million questions. And I I always said it's five head doctors sitting in this room with you and your child's over here playing and you and your significant other who you're not getting along with at that time anyway, is answering questions. You know, they're saying, well, does Landon know where his nose is? And I'm like, oh, yeah, he knows where his nose is. And my ex-husband, he's like, he has no idea where his nose is. And, you know, we're just not on the same page on anything. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, and realizing that. Landon didn't know where, where any of those things were. He was in his own world. I was in my own world, obviously. And I thought, well, he's just going through a divorce, you know, but then when I talked to the psychologist, they're like, well, he he probably doesn't even understand that you're going through that right now. And so there was just a lot going on at that time in my life. So I just made a lot of excuses and I didn't want to not that I didn't want to accept it, because believe me, when they told me I felt better, (laughs) you know, like, okay, now we can we know what the problem is. And I'm a troubleshooter. So I'm like, we know what the problem is. We can work on this. But, you know, I I know every parent goes through something and our stories are funny now. But 19 years ago it was probably one of the most difficult times because of everything I was going through in life. And I, I wasn't prepared.
0: Right. And I'm so thankful that you shared that story because I actually got the chills when you told that story. And it's not usually the kind of chills that I'm used to, you know, but it's just because I had that conversation. I've been in that situation. It is a lonely, scary feeling. And unless you've been through that situation, I mean, you can't explain that to somebody else who hasn't been in that situation. And so you really are with yourself and maybe a faith if you have one or whatever it is but yes. it, you know it, even if i've had a faith i forget about it at those moments so so i feel you and i appreciate you bringing that that to light so share with us kind of some of the challenges that Landon and you both faced kind of in the early going so that our listeners can hear sort of what that was for you
1: so as i said i was a single mom so what happened it was right around a couple of years after 911 and I was married to a man that was uh, here on a a visa. Uh, It was a permanent, not a visa. I'm sorry. It was a a permanent residency card. And we were working on getting his status here. But after 9-11, they weren't letting anybody stay. So overnight, they deported him. And I became a single mom. And I worked in the restaurant industry. And I was running multiple restaurants. So I was 16, 18-hour days. And he did a lot of the caring for the kids because of my job. And then he would work at night, like third shift, cleaning carpets and things like that. So we always had like a good system and we never needed daycare or anything like that. So life for me changed like for everything, personally, professionally, you know, everything. And then Landon got into these schools. Um, At the time we were in Chicago, now we're in Arizona, but we were in Chicago and they had some great teachers and some great programs landon went from i felt i felt you know felt that you know for the first 18 months he was like regular development the milestones were happening everything was fine and then right after 18 months all of a sudden he's like he stopped grabbing my ears sucking on my face like all those things that, that these kids do at that age and he just went like i always refer to it as like deaf mute like he just wasn't there and everything just went away And it was almost like a, like a brain injury. That's the best way to do it. I had a, you know, somebody I grew up with in high school had a brain injury um, in a car accident and he had the same thing. So it was really hard. And then I was like, okay, well, my ex-husband left and my mom and dad had just retired and moved here, zoned out my sister who just went through a divorce. So I was like, okay, I'm moving to Arizona because my family's all there. And after 16 years, all, all three girls came back together again, all of us going through divorces, which was crazy. So we get there and my sisters are teachers. And so I'm like, "Lennon's he, he has IDD or he has something going on. And, you know, they just like, well, you're too hard on him and you boundaries, you don't even let him do anything. And I said, I have to do this. Like He it tries escaping out of the house. They call that elopement. He's tried leaving, and I go, and these kids drown. They drown. They they end up in pools, and, and I don't know why, but water calms them. Like there's just a sensory thing, and I go, you know, so I have to make sure that I keep him like in this box. Now he will earn to get out of that box, but I have to know that he's capable. And so my family and I fought probably for two years wow. before they really truly accepted that Landon needed help. You know, my mom was mad because I wouldn't get Landon. I wouldn't take him to get pictures taken of every year. And you know how you have that. Yeah. nothing After eighteen months, I didn't do it because he was overwhelmed with the flash and in yeah. the pictures. My family just didn't understand, and I was frustrated because I, we have cousins and people in our world, and my ex-husband did as well, they were never diagnosed. and they were always, kind of the last person included. So I was like, I told my family, I'm like, I'm not gonna let my son go through that. Like, I'm just not. So I really embraced it, but I had a determined mentality of, this is the way we're doing it. And if they want to be a part of it, great. If they don't, I'm sorry, but he's the most important thing, including my daughter. They're the most important things right now in my life. And I just have to worry about that. Wow. And that was it, you know, and they came around. But, you know, I I meet a lot of families, you know, and on my journey here, they went through the same thing and and they're really sad about it. And I tell them, listen, we got to get you strong because your child needs you more now than they did before you knew. And you're going to have to be around a really long time until we get you set up to be able to pass away and feel good about it.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Do you have any feeling of what happened at 18 months?
1: I do. (laughs) even more now after COVID, but you know what, as a nonprofit, we're not allowed to talk about it, which is fine. But every presentation I've done, I've done thousands of presentations with people and every presentation, there's two things that happen every time. The first one is people will ask what causes it and what do you think causes it? And they always say the V word and you know, me personally. Yeah, I do. And the second is how do we go on this journey and leave this earth, you know, feeling like we can. With COVID and everything that just happened, our society hasn't seen what's going to be the repercussions of that yet, I believe. And I think that they're cutting everything, every program, they're cutting everything. Our kids will be back to the last on the list. I refuse to allow that. And so the programs that I've created, we have 16 programs from prenatal till the end of life. Those programs are to take the kids to the highest level of their abilities so that they never have to rely on our society to accept that. They'll be fine. And if they just go through this and we empower these families and these kids, we don't need anybody else. We can do this, but you have to believe that. That's what we're working on.
0: I love it. So this uh, soundsofautism.org started in 2011. There's 16 programs within this organization. Tell us why 2011? How has it unfolded from then until now? And tell us more about
1: it. So 2011, a man walked into my life. His name was Carlos Galindo. He was an advocate for the Hispanic community. And he in Arizona just stood up to people that were being deported and just trying to fight for their rights. Like, listen, we were all immigrants at one point, or we came here, you know, our families came here as immigrants at one point, you know, we need to be a better culture to serve these populations, help them, you know, help them find the best way to do this. Right. He came into my restaurant one night when I was working and And I walked up to him for many reasons and he shared with me who he was and I told him what I did and my husband leaving and being a single mom overnight. And they said, I met you, you know, so many years later, you should have been in my life many years ago. You could have helped save us. Anyway, he was so grateful. And he said, Cricket, have you ever thought about starting a nonprofit for autism? I'm like, never. I never thought of that, you know, I just kind of went on to the next conversation and he brought me right back to that circle. And he's like, we need a voice. We need somebody that can speak on the behalf of these kids. They don't have a voice. They they need help. And he's like "And the populations are continuing to grow and the resources and support solutions are God awful and we we need help. He was very involved in the political side of things. So I said, you know, maybe I'll just try. So I, I started a Facebook page. I didn't even know how to do Facebook. I added all my friends to it and everybody stayed. And I was like, wow, all these friends of mine have something to do with autism. Like it just blew my mind, not realizing that people were just willing to hear the stories and stay and learn. And when I see these people on the streets, they're like, oh, my gosh, I follow you. And I I listen to everything you're saying. And I'm like, you do? <laughs> <laughs> my husband tells me I talk too much, you know, it was exciting to because I realized that the power of influence can be your voice. You can get people to follow you, even if they have no empathy or compassion for something, you can change that. If you just, you know, or you're kind to people and you show them the reasons why. And so today I think our videos go out to like over millions of people, right? All over the world. And we've helped people all the way in Pakistan and, you know, just everywhere. And it was all social media driven. And now I know social media is kind of different now today, but I don't use it for pushing my agenda. I still tell my stories and I still do it. And I still have a lot of families that follow me. But I think our social media now adds up to over 10,000 followers. But we're all over the world and we're supporting Canada right now as well with our program. So they're copying what we're doing. They're just a year behind. But that said, I did it for 10 years, 11 years, and I self-funded it. I never asked for money. Very little. I mean, we did very, really bad uh, fundraisers. And I just focused on listening and learning and watching my son grow and listening to what the families were frustrated about and realizing that the majority of the frustration wasn't the family or the child. It was society and just things that weren't happening, bad teachers, teachers that didn't care, teachers that didn't listen, administrators that didn't listen, just a lot going back to leadership. In the restaurant industry, my job was to promote leaders and train them and teach them you know, I'm not bragging, but I was good at it. I was able to sustain. I mean, I worked in a restaurant concept that went from 84 restaurants to 950 national, wow. international. I was there for 17 years Wow! and my boss was hands off. He let me do what I needed to do. And I promoted, and, and many of those people that work for me in the restaurant industry are now running very large organizations or restaurants. And they're very successful because we learned to do it. And we learned to do it in a way where you didn't have to use a title to get the result you learn to create a team that was rallied around you so i built my organization in the same business model as a franchise restaurant and i have people in society that are my employees and we're just building a team that's very similar to a restaurant model but when i do it it's to empower everybody and when you allow people to be empowered and you allow people to add their voice to something they have some type of investment in what you're doing, it's easy. People aren't going to walk away ever. Even if they say, hey, I need a break from volunteering or whatever, but I'll be back and they're always back and they're always coming back with other people and and people see what we're doing. Listen, we're still struggling with things that we've been struggling with for 19 years. And in my restaurant world, if you provide results that are failing every single year, it only takes a restaurant concept about a year and a half and they'll fire you you'll be gone. So we can't fire the leaders because we need them. So we have to make them better. And so what I'm doing is I am really a marketing campaign. I have 16 programs to seek out families and offer support solutions. But my support solutions are people within my community, people that have expert advice on planning funerals for your child before you leave setting them up money management wise. We work with all the colleges in the state of Arizona, the big ones, NAU, A- USA, uh, ASU, U of A, uh, GCU, I mean all of them. We work with those students at the social behavioral level, the dual certification educational um, teachers and, and people going into criminology and anybody that will have an influence with this population, and we say at risk, especially autism, and we educate them at the prenatal stage. This is the next generation of leaders, the next generation of parents, and they're not influenced yet by leaders or political agendas or anything that's going on in this world, right? And so when they come work for us, we empower them. And we tell them, you have to bring your voice to your next step, your leadership roles. And even if your leaders don't comply, There will be a day where you'll be in charge. And when that day happens, we're going to be here and we're going to help support you. But these kids need jobs. They need living spaces. Our populations are ending up homeless or being dropped off by parents that abandon their child and pull away because they don't have answers and they can't mentally or emotionally embrace what's happening their child and they're doing these horrible things and it's not i think because they want to i don't think anybody's there to guide them and that's what we are we created a roadmap, and we navigate the system with them we get them ready for the next milestone we pre-plan we proactively resolve everything and and we're going now to our mayor city council uh, police departments educational leaders and saying listen we want your help and if they say no That's okay. We're going to have events at the end of the year and everybody's going to show up and you're the only school district that's not going to be there. That doesn't look good. And leaders have egos. They love their ego. Right. So they're going to come and say, well, we better get on board, even if we don't agree, because they're going to put us out there. And it's really a checkmate mentality. But honestly, it's what we need to win. And we don't have to go out there and protest and burn down buildings to get our um, resolution.
0: I love it. So is there like um, if I'm a parent? with a newly diagnosed child, is there a reason for me to contact your organization or do I need to be at a certain stage? Or how do I know if I'm, if I'm a parent listening right now, how do I know if you have support for what I'm going through?
1: So there's a couple of things. Uh, the first one is if you go to our website, you'll find everything. And that's uh, www.soundsofautism.org. So sounds with an S of autism, autis org. When you go on there, you will navigate through, you'll see newscasts, you'll see everything's digital, you'll see virtual boxes of pre um, early intervention, prenatal, it'll have how to plan a funeral, all those things. And all of those boxes, when you click on them, go right to our YouTube digital library where we have podcasts from all over the world, people that are on there talking about the different resources and things like that. We also have digital tools. So if you say I'm at the, you know, when you fill out the information on the website, it'll ask you, so what is your need? You put in there, I just found out my son has autism. I don't know what to do. We will send you a short PowerPoint guide that will give you all the steps that you need to take as a parent, but it also share my story. The things that I didn't know, I created this entire 16 program organization on all the mistakes that I made, you know, and, and said, this is what I don't want other parents to go through. And so we send it to them and then we tell them, you're not alone and we're here to guide you. And even if you use this and it works for you and you feel good, there may be a day you have to come back. So stay in contact, get on our social media pages, watch because I'm constantly posting the new and greatest and latest stuff. And and we're really educators and community leaders and responders because we know that we need their support As we're raising our children, and with them, they don't always know, and we assume they know, and they don't. And even educators and police officers, like they get trained on crisis intervention, but they don't really know what that means until you you get in front of it. So a lot of our programs are putting people in front of the population to empower them to be able to embrace them and understand them and understand each other.
0: So exciting. Is there room for people that want to get involved and help out?
1: Absolutely. We're in Arizona, but we're going to go nationwide and for us, an internationally even. And the way we're going to do that is we will chapter what we're doing. So we want people in other states to reach out to us if they have interest in leading something like this. And we would put them through a year process before we would turn it over to them. And we would support them as we're doing it. And then we would just kind of be there to mentor them through the process and help them fundraise and all that kind of stuff so that this could be a you know a, a full-time job for them but everything's done virtual so it's, it'll be really easy and you get to mentor and work with the next generation of leaders and in, in parents which is our college program and we teach you everything and if you can't do it all we'll find other people to surround you with but we will be in arizona this is our hub and this is our kind of our corporate hub i call it um, and everything will be done in arizona as far as development goes but then we will basically duplicate everything we're doing out in the community. And we want it to be ran by other parents that can't work and they need an income or people that are on the autism spectrum, everybody in Canada is adults with autism and they're doing phenomenal. They're doing a phenomenal job, but you know, we have opted as an organization not to go after the disability and why people should support that. We go after the abilities of this population and we bring those out and we help parents bring those out, so that we can show the value of this child's life and what they're capable of, and what people are missing by not allowing these kids to show their abilities. And a lot of times, people will turn their back because they're uncomfortable and they're not confident. We empower people to be more confident in working with this um, organism, you know, this population. So
0: that's so exciting! I'm <laughs> fired up.
1: I'm fired yeah. up. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So how about? Through the trials and tribulations and, and experiences that you've had, what's what's the your secret to your success? How do you care for yourself? How have you uh, overcome some of the hurdles that you faced and, and to this point where you're so electric and you um, exude with such passion and power? Has it always been that way for you or
1: you know, I grew up Catholic and I'm very religious internally but i don't push that agenda on anybody if somebody doesn't want that i just tell them you have to have something you, you know always, you always have to have a hope and hope you know for me came through my religion but for some it you know they go whatever whatever they do but we just tell them you have to have something to be able to go and kind of reflect with um so that when you're having those bad days or those moments and so for me I, I had this wart on my face and my mom had it removed when I was three years old and it has a little hole right here in my face. And I asked my mom when I was little, what that was from. And right next to this little hole in my face, I have this little X and my mom goes, well, the hole is from this wart that you had. I didn't want it on your face cause I loved your face and I didn't want it to be there. So I had it removed. And I said, Oh, I remember that. And she goes, no, you don't. You were only like three years old. And I go, no mom. I remember they put this thing in my hand. And it looked like that thing that dad scrapes paint with. And then I said, and, and when I opened my eyes, there were angels standing around me when I was being put to sleep. And I knew that they were putting something in my body so that I could be an angel the rest of my life. Like I told her the story. And so I said, so I have to do good, mom. And then I had this ex and she goes, well, that's when you were riding your tricycle at three years old, cause you were this crazy person and you always took risks and you were, went down this hill on, in our driveway and you flipped over it and your tooth went right through. You know, so she had to rush me to the hospital and I said, so these are like my war wounds, but they're really reminders of, you know, I guess what I'm like, I should never be fearful of things or, you know, things that are put in front of me, you know, and still be that person. I was at three years old and the other is remember that, you know, you're surrounded by people that want you to do good things. So my organization started in 2011 because I found seeds, a sesame seed that grew into a larger seed and it kept growing into more and more and then it stopped. And then it was money and I started finding money and all of that. And I'm very symbolic, my symbolism and my, my beliefs, they're all very religious. You know, somebody came to me once and they said, you're like John the Baptist, you're a sheep herder and you protect the sheeps from the wolves. And, you know, and, and I took those things serious and I don't think that I'm, I'm special. I don't think that, I think I'm a host of, of somebody that needs a job done and I'm just here delivering the message. And that's what I really believe in. I never fear somebody starting with me and leaving me. Um, I never fear change. I don't fear those things. The COVID is scary to many people. They don't know what the next step is because we can't control it. And I always tell them, you know, if I didn't have COVID happen, I would have never been able to complete this vision. And now that I have it, I was able to, you know, resign from my 30-year career to do this full-time now. And we just found out we have a funding source. So we will grow quick it's to support everybody. I mean, you said you have, I think you said five children, right? Your life is is not easy. It'll never be easy, but you've learned to adapt. Your strength will always be a part of what you do. And that's why you have no problem getting in front of people and, and sharing this. Our families need to realize you're the strongest people in this world. That's the honest God truth, emotionally and physically and mentally, because this child has all kinds of different needs and they all are mental, physical, and emotional. All of them.
0: That's amazing. I, I'm inspired. You, For some reason, you made me think of a story. Um, I was walking along the beach with my kids one day and I had my shirt off. And there were some old people on one of these tourist kind of bikes with like eight people deep and they just had these big smiles and they ride by and they say, and I have all my kids holding their hands. And he says doesn't look so solo to me. And he's like, what's that mean anyway? And I turned around and it just came out of me. And I said, spiritual bankruptcy. And it was when I got the tattoo, it was different than what it reminds me of now, you know, and some of the things that you shared that are your stories and memories. And, um, and it made me think of that. And you've inspired me in this conversation. If, um, I'm excited for people to check out your website and check out your organization. I'm excited to learn more about it myself. For those parents that are out there struggling, they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. They're not sure that they have what it takes to do the job. Do you have any thoughts for them kind of in closing?
1: Yep. I would suggest take a look at yourself first because it's very possible, very probable that you too may be struggling from autism yourself and you never knew, now you know, and maybe you needed the help before you can help your own child. That's what I teach our community, our educators, and our leaders and police officers is a lot of times the parents are undiagnosed and un- under um, served. So take a look at yourself, put the mask on yourself. Maybe you're trying to take on the world. You can't do that if you're doing it alone. So we're here for empowerment. We're here to help you get to that level And then once you do, you will learn the best way for you to keep going is take your knowledge that we've given you and share it with others and keep doing that and keep supporting. If we work together, we will overcome this as far as the sadness that in in the emotional side that comes along with it. So we're here. You're never alone. Like I said, um, our organization, we reach out within 24 to 48 hours, especially if you're in crisis. We stay with you until you tell us you don't need us anymore. That's who we are.
0: That's great. Cricket, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I'm so grateful I met you. I hope we can stay in contact as we stroll this road of happy destiny together. And um, we'll be cheering for you and with you in uh, Santa Barbara, California, and around the country.
1: Thank you. We're hoping California is our third state. So we'll we'll be there sooner than later. (laughs) All
0: right. Sounds good. You have a great day and wish you all the best.
1: Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts.